Hey everyone, Sadie Lincoln here, and I'm so happy to be guiding this conversation around my favorite topic, how together we can redefine what success in fitness means. Today I'm here with Lisa Shale Drake. She's our VP of Research and Innovation at Bar3. She's a movement expert, and she has been my partner in building and innovating the Bar 3 class for the past decade. In our conversation, we explored what it means to be balanced in body and empowered from within. We discussed our ever-evolving relationship with fitness and the importance of truly listening to our bodies. We went through a head-to-toe investigation uncovering common imbalances in our bodies and shared practical ways we can work towards a more balanced state. Within this conversation, we discussed the power of modifications, we love modifications, and provided new ways you can honor your present truth. I invite you to take all this knowledge into your Bar 3 practice. I am here with Lisa Sheldrake. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Sadie. We were just Mm -hmm. laughing because we were trying to jump into this conversation as soon as we pressed record. We suddenly felt like we were on stage, right? Yeah. And then we lost it. We lost it. We started laughing (laughs) because all of a sudden we felt like we had to do it right, you know? (laughs) But we don't have to do anything right. This is a conversation we have, we have had for over 10 years. Yes. um, With a lot of passion. Yes. A lot of passion. Uh, So we are going to be talking about being balanced in body, what that really means, Mm -hmm. what it means also to be imbalanced. How do we recognize that? Mm Mm-hmm. And the relationship with working towards a more balanced state and being truly empowered from within. That's that's our conversation. But yeah. before we jump into that, uh, share with me your first memories of being introduced to Bar 3, mm-hmm. when it was, and a little bit of your journey working at Bar 3. Oh, my goodness. So my, my journey began um, almost 11 years ago, which is crazy. And I was a recent—I recently moved from New York City and— Really wanted to find a fitness company because I was teaching fitness in New York and I wanted to keep teaching, but I didn't really know how or when. And my friend was like, go check out Bar 3. So I I always describe this as when I walked into Bar 3, I walked in with my chip on my shoulder from New York, like, I got this. Like, <laughs> watch me. You're going to want to hire me after this class. And I remember walking in and I went over to the weights and I grabbed at the time what was a what was heavy for us, four pound weights. And the instructor, Caroline, was like, I really recommend you grab twos. And I was like, I'm fine. And then the whole class completely humbled me, even as a fitness instructor and a dancer and performer. Like, my body was humbled. My mind was humbled. My ego was humbled. Mm -hmm. And after class, I expected to get the look from Caroline like, I told you so. Like, that little, like, wink, wink, nod, nod. I told you this was going to be hard. You didn't listen. Should have respected me. And it was the complete opposite. She sat down with me. She wanted to hear my story. She encouraged me to contact you. Um, She knew I wanted to teach. And I remember walking out there and my chip was gone. Like, Mm -hmm. I felt like this was more than a workout. Um, I felt seen. I felt heard. And I wanted to work for you right then. I was like, where's Sadie? Knock, knock. (laughs) And that ended up being the greatest gift. Yeah, I can say that with sincere. Oh, thanks. Sincere honesty. For me, I think one of the most beautiful things in life is witnessing someone 
find a career that's aligned with exactly what they should be doing. And that's 100% you. Oh, thank you. It really has been a pleasure. And I'm so excited. A lot of people know you from online workouts Mm -hmm. and here in Portland from teaching classes for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And you are incredibly skilled as an instructor. And I'm really pleased to be able to share with everybody how skilled you are as our VP of Research and Development. And the science and the approach of teaching that you really hold that for the entire organization, which is the epicenter of our product, of our company, is teaching these remarkable classes. Uh, So no pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Easy. My day job is really boring. (laughs) You be you. You be you. Um, So I would love to hear from you. The the word balance is Mm -hmm. used so much. So much. And it's a confusing word, I, even understanding what it means. Mm-hmm. So maybe let's start with when it comes to the body. Yes. What does it even mean? Maybe we should start with what it means to be imbalanced, because assuming that if we're working towards balance, our mission is to be balanced in body and empowered from within. Yes. So if we want to be balanced in body, why do we even want to be balanced? It's because we have imbalances. Yes. Let's start there. So explain to me, because I love hearing it over and over again from your point of view, how we our body is imbalanced and what that means for each of us. Definitely. I mean, I think imbalances are, well, first of all, every single one of us are imbalanced. No one lives in a balanced state perfectly in their body. So I think we should all just let that go mm-hmm. and recognize that as just being part of being human. Um, imbalances can come from um, lifestyle So repetitive actions that you do over and over again. For example, you and I right now are sitting. Mm -hmm. So that is a lifestyle pattern that we do that creates imbalances in our hips. So the front of our pelvis, uh, the muscles in the front of our pelvis are getting too tight and they're getting short. The back of our pelvis is getting lengthened and weakened. And so when we stand to move, those muscles aren't firing as they should be. And we sit all All the the time. time. All the time. So that is like one example is lifestyle, repetitive actions lead to imbalances in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Other ways you can get imbalanced through injury. So injury in, you know, physical injury like you fall skiing on the mountain or um, snowing, snowboarding, or I can tell I don't ski because I don't know the terms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, falling off a bike, getting in a car accident. I mean, there's, there's many ways that it can injure an area of your body. But like anybody who knows when you injure one area of your body, the rest of your body has repercussions because mm-hmm. they have to compensate for that area. Right. So then you develop suddenly these weird patterns in your body. The best way example is like you've injured your right knee, but suddenly your left hip starts to hurt. Right. Well, because your left side of your body is compensating for the injured right knee. Right. Um, but also people are, are born with imbalances. Sometimes this is our genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my husband, for example, um, knows that his family has issues with their spine and their hips. And, and so there are imbalances that just come through your genetic genes. Having uh, a child. Creates. Having a child is the biggest imbalance you ever <laughs> to a woman. We joke that it's the biggest injury. <laughs> it really Children is. Children are injuries. Yeah. The body yeah. you have before and after having a kid is completely different. And um, and learning to get to know that new body is is rough and, and, and humbling. It, it really is getting to know the new body, right? Yeah. With, with injury and specifically with having children, one thing that creates a lot of shame mm-hmm. is 
when we have babies, what are we told to do to, with our bodies? Bounce back. Bounce back. Bounce Is back. that possible? No. Right. You can't like, baby, baby's, baby's baby now. <laughs> can't, can't reverse that. We are now a mother and that cannot yeah. change. And our and because of that, our body has changed. It's changed. Forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even if like, I have friends too that might physically look like they did before having a baby, but inside they feel completely different. Um, yeah. And I think that is like half of the story too, is sometimes even though we physically might look the same, we mm-hmm. physically feel so different. And I think there's a lot of shame around that too. Right. There is an image, uh, literally an image of balance, what that looks like. Mm-hmm. All of us have a different image in their, in our minds, but mm-hmm. it might be standing with perfect posture, I don't know, sitting on a mountain, m- meditating, um, <laughs> you know, balancing our lives Smiling. perfectly. yeah, while yeah. I'm hanging out with my friends and my child is perfectly being quiet next to me. <laughs> I know from experience when I've looked the most balanced on the outside because mm-hmm. people have told me that, I've been the most imbalanced on the inside. Yeah. Um, whether that's mental, just just distraction, um, chronic pain, yep. uh, low energy, uh, not spending energy proportionate to the things that matter to me. Yep. So a lot of those imbalances are invisible. Yes. The only people that know those imbalances are the individuals, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of ties to, so we have all these these. Uh, universal imbalances in our bodies, like mm-hmm. you you mentioned, um, weak glute. What are the main areas in the body that yeah. are chronically, because of the way we live our lives, that are chronically imbalanced, whether you can see them or not? Awesome. Let's start from the top down. Sound okay. good? Mm-hmm. So beginning with kind of the upper neck and shoulders, we have a major imbalance up there because of uh, the lifestyle of being in front of computers driving cards or texting. E- texting. And um, some people call it the text neck. So if you are <laughs> visually thinking about this right now, like hold, imagine holding your phone in front of you. Like what do you naturally do with your head? It falls forward. Mm-hmm. Well, what that does is that takes your neck out of alignment, puts pressure on the back of your neck. So all those muscles that are running up the back of your neck, I always... I always imagine like someone trying to hold a boulder off a cliff. They're like holding on for dear life and they are constantly firing and they're overworked and they're overloaded and they're exhausted. Mm -hmm. And then the front of the neck's actually gotten pretty weak because of it Mm -hmm. because it's just hanging out in space. And then that creates tension in the upper shoulders. Many of us, and I see this all the times when you worked at a desk for a long time, you kind of sit back in your chair and you start rubbing the top of your shoulders. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because these muscles called your upper traps are really, really tight because they're overworked. So that's, And that can lead to headaches, headaches, teeth grinding. migraine, and also just joint pain. So mm-hmm. you might start to feel tension in between the shoulder blades or the top of the shoulders or the top of the neck. Um, Rounded, slumped top mm-hmm. of the shoulders. Yep. And then that leads to that upper body rounding, which then tightens the front of the shoulder and then weakens the back of the shoulder. So tight chest. Tight chest. Weak, weak back. upper back. Mm-hmm. That's so tight chest, weak up, up, upper back. Almost, I've noticed this too, universally. Almost a universally. Problem. Yes. And I really do think in the last 10 years, it's it's gotten worse, not mm-hmm. better. Um, since we've done bar three together. Yes, I agree. Witnessing literally thousands of bodies and working with thousands of bodies. And my theory is that it's the smartphone. It's it's technology. Technology and the computer, Mm -hmm. 100%. Driving, sitting, of course, holding babies, groceries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything that's making you round forward. Right. Coming down to the hips, we talked a little about this already, but sitting. 
Mm-hmm. So sitting is like chronically messing up our hips. One is that we're, you know, the hips and the shoulders are meant to do lots of movement. So they're really mobile joints. And we're basically putting them into one position constantly. So the front of the hips, called your hip flexors, are getting really, really, really tight. So you can mm-hmm. think of them as like a like a fist just bunched up. And then when you try to straighten, stand up, that fist doesn't want to relax. It wants to stay tight, mm-hmm. which then makes you arch your back and kind of stick out your seat. And then that creates lower back tension, weak glutes. So the back of your hips are super weak because we're constantly stretching them out and sitting on them. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to all this kind of hip issues and pain. So you yeah. So weak glutes, mm-hmm. tight hip flexors equals low back pain. Can equal low back pain. Right. Yes, definitely. I I read I so I am a, a member of the low back pain club. One in four and you are. one in <laughs> one in four Americans suffer from chronic, not just aches and pains, yeah. chronic low back issues. Yeah. Um it's one of the um I would say one of the most prevalent injuries that we hear in class. Yes. So weak glutes, tight hip flexors. Okay, then down to the knees. So knees, I always say the knees are like the middle sister or middle brother of the family. Whatever mm-hmm. happens above them, the older hip mm-hmm. or the younger foot affects the knees. Right. So the knee is actually a very simple joint. It does one thing. It pulls your heel to your seat and extends your foot out. I mean, that's really it. It's a pretty simple joint. But because of the hips and the foot, it has to now create ranges that it doesn't do. So sometimes it tries to twist, so your knee's like falling in, or sometimes it pushes out, or as you step to the side, that the knee doesn't come with the hip. So all these things are happening to the knee joint that is creating knee pain. Also, though, muscular imbalances can create forces on the knee. Right. So just like you're saying, weak glutes, same thing, weak hamstrings, overloaded quads. So front of your thigh is meant to be strong, but it's too strong mm-hmm. in relationship to the back of your thigh or hamstring, which is too weak. Right. So that ratio has now gotten off, which is pushing just shearing force right on your knee. Right. All sounds great, right? You guys excited? <laughs> <laughs> so, then, yeah. but that it's so good to know this. I and mean, just even like I said, I've been I've been studying this. I'm obsessed with this. But yeah. when I hear you talk about it, it reminds me. I remember. Oh, of course, our bodies are out of balance. Yeah. And it, it, there's no shame in that. But no. just that knowledge that most of us are overdeveloped in the quads, the front of the thighs underdeveloped in the hamstrings. Yep. And so sending our awareness to building hamstrings, building glutes brings the body towards balance. Definitely. Which helps the knees Definitely. and helps to prevent injury and take care take care of knee injury, which is also really, really common. Yeah. Very common. Okay, down to the, now we're down at the... I would say the foot. I mean, the biggest Mm -hmm. issue with the foot is that we are constantly wearing shoes. Mm -hmm. So we're constantly scrunching up our toes and we're limiting our ankle mobility, which, you know, when you you lose the foot mobility and the ability to spread your toes out and equally weight through your feet, that chain of support above, so everything that supports the knees, the hip, the shoulders, just gets out of whack. Best way to describe it, it's like the foundation of your house is mm-hmm. is not solid, right? Because and we're standing on that little piece of real estate all day long, all day long, all day. When long. we're standing, when exactly. we're not sitting, <laughs> when we're not sitting, when we yeah. are standing, we're walking with like our feet just scrunched into these tiny little shoes, and um, often with heels. Some yeah, especially of us. women, yeah, uh-huh. or men too. Um, but even even though even tennis shoes sometimes like don't mm-hmm. give the room that is needed for your foot to be fully functioning. So, is it important to be barefoot? I think it is. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were born barefoot for a reason. Mm-hmm. And to be able to use <laughs> the base of each toe mm-hmm. and to really focus on our arches and weighting all four corners of the foot evenly. That's why we're barefoot at yes, R3. Definitely. And why we chose the cork floor because there's support. Yes. Just enough support and foundation. Um, okay. So can you, you were describing um, the, having like a tight chest and weak upper back or mm-hmm. tight hip flexors and weak glutes. Can you describe for all of us the difference between having a tight muscle and a strong muscle? Definitely. Uh, I actually love this definition. So to have a strong muscle, a muscle needs to have three components. One, it needs to be able to contract to its fullest, shortest length. Best way to describe it, think about your bicep. So when you pull your fingertips towards your shoulder and you flex your bicep, that's at its shortest, most contracted position. So it should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But it also has to be able to do the complete opposite. It needs to be able to fully lengthen out. So now you can extend through your elbow and reach your fingertips with a straight away arm. from you with a straight arm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's now the muscle is lengthening. It's lengthened. It's mm-hmm. the longest position. And then you also want to make sure that a muscle can stabilize, a.k.a. not move joints with forces. So mm-hmm. if I was to bend my elbow in half and then put my palm on my forearm and push against it, that's my bicep stabilizing the joint. And that's an isometric contraction. Isometric contraction. So when we go down in sumo squat, for example, and hold, when you hear that word hold, that's an isometric contraction. Yes. Stabilizing the muscle. Stabilizing the muscle. And a strong muscle should be able to do all three of those with no restriction, no issues, and no compensation. Right. Um, so another way to describe it, it should be at its strongest, its most relaxed, and its most stable. Right. Uh, Katie Farner said in class the other day, um, all of a strong muscle is a supple muscle. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what that means? I thought that was, for me, that was so powerful to hear as a woman too, yeah. because I think so many of us think of strong and muscle and tone as that ideal, again, of fitness of being like rock solid, you know, <laughs> rock solid abs. And like, we just want to be You want to be like the shell. It's like, yeah, we want to be a shell (laughs) instead of soft and supple. Yeah. And that being supple and soft is strong. It is strong because a muscle is meant to do that. I mean, here's the go, let's go back to the top of the shoulder analogy. So if you were to push down on the top of your shoulder, you're going to feel most likely most of us are going to feel a rock solid muscle. Tension. Tension. But that's tension. That's tension. It's not necessarily strength. Mm -hmm. So like my upper traps right now, when I push down are actually, and they shouldn't be because my shoulders are anchored, my arms are at my side. They should be, I should be able to push into them and it should be able to move. That is a muscle at its resting state. You should be able to move it around. Mm -hmm. And when it's solid at all times, it's actually imbalanced, which can lead to lack of range of motion in your joints, which can lead to injury and pain and joint pain. So you know, I think you and I were talking about this earlier before we came in, and I joked that when I was at my most tone physically, like I had, you know, my body looked the most fit, I was in the most pain I've ever been in my life mm. because my my body wasn't balanced. It wasn't working towards a balanced state. I was just working out just to be skinny and tone and fit. Mm-hmm. Um, not at any cost. At any, any cost, any mm-hmm. cost. And so I lived my life in just like a lot of chronic pain. What was that like for you? So on Mm. the outside, you were the definition of fitness, Mm -hmm. right? You were the definition of success in fitness. Yes. Toned, like skinny, 
ripped, whatever words you might want to use. Um, I mean, I do have genetics that stop me from being ripped. (laughs) (laughs) You look at my entire family, none of us are ripped. (laughs) But skinny, (laughs) yes. Skinny, yes. It's so funny. And also, it is is like however people define it too, right? Other people might define you that way. Mm -hmm. But for yourself, was that confusing to then have pain and not, were, were you... What was that like? What was your fitness story in that moment? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. So b- before I got into fitness, I was a performer in musical theater. So, so much of what I need to do was just to stay extremely fit. For the I, stage. For the stage. And big time. You were, you toured with Cats, right? Yeah, yeah. I did a lot of national tours. Mm-hmm. Um, had a great career, and I don't regret any of that. But I... I remember I just did fitness to stay in shape. That was like my primary job was like I need to stay fit. And I did these types of fitnesses so I would stay like kind of like more lean, quote unquote. Look the part. Look the part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being just really – I had a lot of shame around the pain I was feeling because I felt like I – well, one, I just associated that I wasn't strong enough yet. Mm-hmm. I was like I have this pain because I'm not strong enough yet. So I need to keep – working out to get stronger and this pain is going to eventually go away there was something wrong with you You needed to work harder i needed to work harder do it more do it more and Mm -hmm. that's exactly what i did i took more dance classes i took more fitness classes i walked more i basically kept pushing my body more and more and more um i didn't seek help at all it was a lot of i was very quiet about it Mm -hmm. so a lot of internal shame um and and then i also like there was no every time i got to a goal my goal changed and I would, I'd be like, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It was never enough. So I would lose mm-hmm. five pounds and then I need to lose five more. Mm-hmm. I'm still not skinny enough. I'm not skinny as that girl. I'm not, mm-hmm. as, I'm not as fit as that girl. Um, cause I auditioned a lot. So I, I saw mm-hmm. 300 bodies all the time that were just at their quote unquote prime, most fit position. And they looked so balanced and happy and confident. And I was just faking it. I mean, right. just literally. Well, I imagine it. being yeah. on a stage, literally being on a stage performing with in your a body in a, <laughs> in a unitard would magnify how most of us feel. Yeah. Because everything you just said, I feel, I truly believe all of us in a way feel like we're on a stage. Yeah. And that we need to step outside our door every day and look successful, mm-hmm. look worthy, look attractive, look the part. Um, so that we belong, yeah. look the part. And I think so many of us struggle with that feeling of being an imposter mm-hmm. of, well, I don't really feel the part. I don't really feel good. Yeah. Um, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Um, if I may, um, what I have witnessed with you, my favorite thing about running a company and being a part of Bar 3, this Bar 3 organization is witnessing growth in people. Yeah. And I've watched you come in as a completely magnetic performer, which we need. We need that magnetism within our organization. But I've seen you not lose that, but marry that with authenticity and Mm -hmm. your complete honest truth. And that is when you became your most powerful. When you turned that corner and started to truly, I I witnessed this, to truly own your own your truth, your uh, who you are inside, and show that more to your clients and to mm-hmm. us team members. That's when we are all like, "Oh my gosh, we cannot get enough of Lisa. Bring her back. <laughs> bring her back. Bring her back. Need to get in her class." And I think that the reason I bring that up, Lisa, is I 
I love you, and I think you're amazing. (laughs) I really do. And it's such a journey. I think so many of us are afraid to show our true selves. Yeah. And instead we perform. Well, it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable. It's vulnerable, and it's it's nerve-wracking to put yourself out there and to know that you might not be accepted, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think there is that fear around that. I mean, there's even— you know, while my relationship with Venice has evolved a ton in the past, you know, 10 years, um, I think it's normal to still have, and it's fine to still have those moments of like self-doubt yes. and shame and, and, and wondering if you're still enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, what I will say, it's a lot less and I'm able to get f- past it faster. In a more authentic and and truthful way. And as an instructor, share that, like, oh, I'm going to set the weights down because I'm having shoulder issues today. Mm -hmm. I I think for a while there, we were all performing, and fitness instructors do this in general, and the fitness industry does this in general. Us instructors in front of the camera are supposed to do everything. Yep. That's what's aspirational. And how we're redefining that is, nope. As we're as instructors, we're going to share honestly what's going on for us in our bodies and and um, walk that talk. Definitely, that is our greatest gift. I, I joke think. that I'm the slowest person in class now. You are. <laughs> when you come to my classes, I love that. We'll we'll be on the two count. You're on like the eight count. You're like slowing way <laughs> down. Slow way down. But and, that's where I feel the most connected. And it's also incredibly inspiring to witness you do that. Because it gives everybody else in class permission to make it their own. Yeah. And to honor what's right for them. It sparks curiosity, too. It really does. Yeah. So that ties to the empowered from within equation. Mm -hmm. So balanced embodied body is really about recognizing imbalances in our bodies. Yes. And working towards a more balanced state. Yes. And recognizing those imbalances compassionately without Mm -hmm. shame. So when we have aches and pains, yep. just noticing and then changing the shape of our body, doing a different posture to honor that mm-hmm. versus reject it. Yep. So that whole witnessing, noticing without shame and compassion, that is empowered from within. Yes. I think that's the hardest part. I think that's the hardest part. Yeah. Letting go of the external pressures to do plank on the floor because plank is supposed to be the best thing. And it's exactly if it's hard, it's supposed to be better and I want to be better. Yep. Um, to instead recognize plank is not serving me today on the floor. My shoulder is on fire. I don't feel good energetically here. To notice that and then literally stand up, walk over to the bar and do plank there. Yep. Because that is what your body needs. What your body needs. Or energy or my needs, whatever. whatever. You don't have to even have a reason. Sometimes it's just an instinct, mm-hmm. just a feeling of like, I want to have less pain today. I don't want to be in pain. I need to make this adjustment. I love that. Mm-hmm. So just an instinct, a mm-hmm. knowing. A knowing. Without a rational thought. Yeah. To me, that is our greatest gift as human beings, mm-hmm. that we are all born knowing. Yeah. That voice inside of us that knows and when we practice listening to knowing in bar three classes, that little moment of truth of, ah, I need to stand up at the bar, yeah. that is the best exercise we can do. It's flexing the muscle of being empowered. Definitely. And I think we, I, I, I know we had this conversation about like, you know, how do you know difference between good pain and bad pain? I do think there are tools out there, but I, I truly come down to just like trust your gut. Mm-hmm. I have so many conversations with clients either before or after class and they'll be 
You know, they'll be like, oh, I was in this posture and I just, I wasn't sure if this was okay. And I can just see on their face, they already know the answer. They know mm-hmm. it's not okay. They mm-hmm. know what they're feeling is not normal, that it's pain, that it's it's not good pain. It's not muscular strength. It's not fatiguing of muscles. It is like searing pain in my joint. Something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And and But me giving them permission to accept that, I think, is so freeing for them. Yeah. Um, and for them to look at it and go either... I need to modify in this moment or and or I might need to go see ex- expert help and 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 really learn what's going on and figure out how I can start working towards a more balanced state. Okay, so what we're talking about is body wisdom. What I yeah. what we consider body wisdom and building the muscle of knowing your own body. Mm-hmm. And how we do that in class is our specific approach to teaching. We'll say things like, you are your own best teacher. Yes. You might be doing bridge lifts and you look technically sound, but I don't know if your low back is on fire right now. You're the only one that knows that, right? Yep. Um, so you are your own best teacher. Knowing that and truly making it your own and choosing a posture that serves you it's hard to do that if you don't know what to do. Like if it's I'm true. in bridge lifts yeah. and I'm, 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 you know, I'm trying to work my glutes, but I'm only feeling it in my low back and everybody else in the class is doing bridge lifts and the instructor is doing bridge lifts. How do I even know what to do? Should yeah. we go over some common modifications yes. for each platform in the body? Like one mm-hmm. common, common modification. We'll try to describe it. And then what I would offer out to everybody listening is go to your instructor in the studio. If you Mm -hmm. have any aches or pains before class, share that with them so that they can really make sure that you are cued with great modifications for what's going on. Okay, so let's go through the bodies. Yes. So should we start with the neck, shoulders? Yes. Common modifications for those? Definitely. So, you know, if you're starting to feel, let's start with with weight bearing. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing planks or an all fours, that's when you're on your hands and your knees, like reaching a leg or reaching an arm. Um, that's a lot of load on your shoulders, and you can also feel it on your neck. So mm-hmm. one thing I always like to do first is just just be aware of just where your body is in space. Notice first if your head's falling, maybe you're weighting heavier in one palm, maybe your shoulders are collapsing, a.k.a. your heart's falling towards the floor. Mm-hmm. And you can do little subtle adjustments to even see if that helps you. So lifting your head in line with your shoulders, equally weighting through your palms, lifting your heart up. But if that doesn't work, the number one thing you need to do is take weight off. Mm-hmm. So take weight off. So that could be... Like you said before, standing up, heading over to the ballet bar, placing your hands there and taking plank at the bar. Or if you're working at home, a kitchen counter, the back of a chair. So what's happening in down that moment? Down on your forearms. Down on your, your forearms wrist. of your wrist. Mm-hmm. So you're you're taking the idea of, of plank and you're just taking away gravity pull. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Gravity pull is is going to make your muscles work really, really hard to maintain alignment, and you're just taking a little bit of that resistance off. You're still going to get a great engagement of your muscles, but you might not feel the pain in your shoulders and your neck. In those, in those, in that moment when you're on all fours and you have pain in your traps mm-hmm. and in your neck, what you're doing there is building more stress and pain in your shoulders and yes. your neck. And you're just reinforcing a pattern that's already there. So standing up at the ballet bar in that example, less weight bearing. So less weight. Less weight bearing. 
And then you could actually start to activate the muscles that are under you. So right. um, they, in plank, for example, you do want to feel the muscles that kind of are, it's like non-sexiest place in the world, but your armpits, like yeah. kind of squeezing your arms in towards that space and feeling the back of your shoulder blades light up with these muscles that are should be on probably aren't because the traps are overactive. When you get out of that full plank, you can actually feel these muscles activate for the first time. And then before you know it, your neck feels free, your shoulders feel more centered and grounded and anchored and stable and strong. Um, they're not relaxed. They're still working. Right. But they, they're working as a team now okay, versus So, so from player. all fours to the plank for shoulder mm -hmm. injuries. Yes. And then down to the hips, what are the common, um, let's start with the low back, low back pain in like... Um, squats. Squats. Yep. So lower back pain usually happens when you're trying to take like your biggest, most fullest, large range of motion squat and something happens on the way down, like mm -hmm. either alignment goes or muscles start to trigger to hold the load. And so the best thing you can do is just stay higher in your squat. Right. So don't go as low with your seat. Um, stay higher in your chest, more upright in your chest. And also, um, and this is just a modification in general, like slow down. Yeah. Just like life, when you slow down, you become more aware and present in the moment. Mm -hmm. Same thing with your and body. And honest. And honest. Mm -hmm. So same thing with your body. When you slow down, you can tune in so much easier and listen to what's activating, listen to what's working, and then you can be honest. In that moment of like, yeah, I'm just feeling my low back. I work higher. Ah, there's my glutes. I work higher. And for me, a thing that's really helped me is I'll close my eyes. Yeah. So then I can let go of other people's pacing mm -hmm. and really tune in to my own, what rhythm is best for me. Exactly. Yeah. And if closing your eyes feels funky, like just like soften your gaze. So the room mm -hmm. becomes hazy. Right. Yeah. Right. Three or lower the eyelids about three quarters of the exactly. way. Look down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, always permission to go inside. Yep. I think that with something like squats, and you mentioned also all fours doing the body scan of like alignment scan. Yeah. That's really listening to the instructor because mm -hmm. we over and over again. That's why we're saying things like, "Are you pushing your feet down to the floor?" Um, are you engaging through the low belly? Mm -hmm. Because those actions also take away pain from the low back, for example, yes. which is overcompensating and bring the awareness to the glutes yes. and the hamstrings in that moment. Your instructor, I always see them as like a verbal and physical guide towards n noticing where your body is in space, but also making sure you understand what, sh what muscles should be firing right. in each posture. Um, because th that's just science, you know, right. a squat there, that's just levers and mechanics working together. Like there is a pattern that should be firing, but for all of us, that pattern's off. And so like they, when they're saying that moment, you should be feeling your hamstrings, you should be feeling your glutes and you don't, it's not a shameful thing. It's just, that's good awareness. That's then a really great thing. It's great. Because thing, if yeah. you notice that you're not in your body, the way it's serving you, that is the greatest gift. Yeah. Is witnessing an imbalance compassionately, yep. noticing, oh, my low back is hurting versus, oh, my low back is hurting. It's like, I'm going to keep going. Oh, my low back is hurting. <laughs> it's a, it's really like your body honestly talking to you. Yeah. it's a. Yeah. I always say that's the conversation with your body. Mm -hmm. And we're so disassociated. Totally two-way road. Yeah. Okay. So we got low back. That's a good one. What about knees? Knees. So in general, you two things are going to either help your knees. Widening your base Mm -hmm. so, so stepping um, out wider stepping out wider you can think of like a, a tripod 
Like sometimes the wider the tripod, mm-hmm. the more stable that is. Mm-hmm. So for example, if your feet are a little bit narrower and you're doing what we call an inclined chair, which is kind of like a narrow squat mm-hmm. and you're feeling discomfort in your knees, just stepping your feet out a couple inches to the side suddenly might bring you some freedom because you just created a little bit more of a structured base for your knees to work from. Mm-hmm. But the opposite could happen. Sometimes going wide is your knees, your knees go, but your hips don't. Mm -hmm. Or your knees go and your feet don't. Mm -hmm. So I always think of the knees as like a three-mass sail, um, sailboat. Like you want to make sure that then the middle mass, which is your knee, is aligned with your foot and your hip bone. Very important. So no matter where they go, your knee goes. Mm -hmm. So if you step your feet out wide and your knee's not coming because you have tightness in your hip, then narrow your stance. Right. Work so those those bones always line up. So a good rule of thumb is wherever your middle of your knee joint's pointing, so is the middle foot. Mm-hmm. And then it lines up with wherever the thigh bone is to your hip. Right up to the front hip bone, that mm-hmm. bony landmark. The bony landmark, yeah. And then just adjusting, coming up higher, narrow, yep. more wide, yep. lining. I love that, the sailboat analogy. Yeah, sailboat That's analogy. so great. I love visuals. Yes. <laughs> okay, what about feet? So feet and ankles. Feet and ankles. Um, so many discomforts can happen with your feet. So coming up on your toes can create mm-hmm. discomfort. Um, sometimes waiting too much for the heel can wait discomfort. So good rule of thumb, four corners of your feet read equally. Mm-hmm. So coming to a flat foot at any time, the majority of our class actually is mostly flat foot because that helps yeah. light up the back line of the body. Right. Um, there are moments where we shift to the toes just for ankle mobility, calf strength, a little bit of load on the quads. But that doesn't serve everybody. So bringing right. your feet flat. Um, and also, you know, if being barefoot doesn't truly serve your feet, um, creating a little bit of maybe a little pad by wearing a, like a, um, like a light shoe or something. A really flexible shoe. A really flexible sole shoe. Um, mm-hmm. And you can talk to your instructor to make sure that whatever you're wearing into the class works with the studio, you know, something like that. Yeah. But um, those are always options, too. And I think people are always shocked by that, that we have that flexibility, but we do, just kind of case by case. Yeah, um, our North yeah. Star, every decision we make— mm-hmm. And boy, do we ever hotly debate these decisions because we love talking about the body. <laughs> we do. Is around, does this exercise truly serve our mm-hmm. community to help them work towards a more balanced state? Yes. And we'll get attached to exercises that we find don't. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's always a, a debate. And then we we have no problem letting go of exercises that we, we discover over time are creating more imbalances. Exactly. I think that's really unique that we're not, unlike dance, for example, yep. which is attached to a heritage, which yes. is beautiful, um, we are not attached to any heritage of exercise. Mm-hmm. We are attached to the idea of balance. The idea of balance, which is an ever-changing and, and the organic science thing. of balance. Yeah. Yes. So we and we aren't all knowing, right? Mm-hmm. We have a definite love of learning. Yes. Uh, who why don't you talk a little bit about I would love for you to talk a little bit about some of the people that you surround yourself with who help you ignites your curiosity and discovery research and development definitely around how to incorporate the latest moves in our classes to help people achieve balance. Love what that. kind of people do you work with? Um, so all kinds of experts. I call them my circle of experts. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the more body side, we work with physical therapists, massage therapists, people that this is their wheelhouse is looking at the functionality of body and working with bodies and helping them 
um, move better with more ease, people that were really like-minded, mm-hmm. um, to sports chiropractors, you know, doctors. Um, and then, but we also balance that out with a little bit more of, quote unquote, the psychology of movement from yeah. meditation experts to even um clinical psychologist, um, research experts, and every decision we make to, to, to change the class, when we evolve the class, we either remove something or change a section of the class, um, is never done without us doing our homework, mm-hmm. without us um, working with the circle of experts, looking at the research, workshopping with them, getting their opinions. Testing, 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 testing. testing. <laughs> Um, and and really bringing and then also coming from our side of looking at, you know, the 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 people that are walking into our doors and the bodies yeah. that are walking in and the types of injuries we're seeing and the body patterns we're seeing and the his stories we're hearing um, yeah. from people all across all the country. Yeah, that's what's so beautiful about having so many studios mm-hmm. is how much feedback we get from our incredible instructors and franchisees nationwide. Yes. And geography changes and balances, like Mm -hmm. different areas of the country and um, different lifestyles, different points of view all come into play as we're discovering how as a community we can work towards balance. Definitely. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty been, it's been such an amazing journey for me over the last 11 years to come across so many different bodies and to mm-hmm. learn so much about I think my biggest takeaway is about how every single body is so unique. Yes. There's genius in every body. Mm-hmm. But the industry oddly wants us all to conform to one kind of body. Yes. And one kind of move. Mm-hmm. And every single one of us, we're born into this world with this conditioning that we need to look that ideal. Yeah. Whether we, we're conscious of it or not, of course we, we think that because we're bombarded with images, whether it's on social media or language around what is attractive, what is worthy, what is successful. Um, you know, athletes were taught to win to, to show mm-hmm. up. You know, a lot of people come into the studios, for example, wanting to lose weight so yes. that they'll, so that then they'll be happy. Yes. Um, this, what we practice and what we always talk about, you and I, is instead of practicing bar three to get skinny, why do you want to get skinny? Yeah. Right. So let's talk a little bit about some of the feelings underneath things. So I'll start with that losing weight for me and for so many people that I've worked with over the years. It's not really about the weight. No. We know that we want to be a healthy weight. That's Mm -hmm. important to us. It's more when you ask the question, why do I want to lose weight? I want to be confident. I want to feel confident. Confident. That is something you can absolutely practice in bar three. Yes. We've all been told and promised that you can lose weight in one one sweat session. (laughs) <laughs> or or a bunch of sweat sessions. Yeah. But getting attached to the losing weight, it actually, it, that isn't, exercise is not the answer for losing weight. No. But you can actually achieve confidence after one sweat session. Definitely. And I, it's, it goes back to my story. You know, when I exercised just to be fit, again, I lost five pounds, I lost five pounds, and it wasn't solving the, the issue of, of me confidence. feeling so uncomfortable so uncomfortable in my skin 
and so uncomfortable with who I was. Yeah. But once I started practicing bar three to just be mentally strong and physically strong and mentally confident and physically confident, the my whole relationship with fitness changed. And the reasoning why I work out is completely different now. And I think that is something you can practice within one session. And it's mm-hmm. it's baby steps, but it's progress over perfection. Well, in this session right now, like when you're working out, is all that matters anyways. Yeah. In this moment, in this moment, how do I want to feel? In this moment, how do I want to feel? And then honoring that feeling with how you're moving. Definitely. So it's an alignment with what you really need. So some of the things are, do you want to feel stronger? Do you want to be more balanced? Do you want to feel less stress? Do you want to have increased endurance, less pain? Those are the questions that we start to ask in class more and more and more. And I'm inviting everybody to listen, who's listening to this to ask yourself before going in to work out, mm-hmm. what do you want? What do you really need right now? Yes. Is it really to be skinny or is it really to be ripped or do you need to relieve stress? Blow off some steam. Blow off steam. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to feel connected? Grounded. grounded. Yeah, grounded, connected. Mm-hmm. Or do you just want to – sometimes it's like – sometimes I just want to move to have fun. Like yeah. that's good too. Joy. Joy. Joy in the mm-hmm. movement. Joy in the fact that I can move with power and and, and add resistance is, is an amazing thing because a lot of people can't. So that's a and joy. And when we practice that, we practice becoming in relation with exercise. We practice building a positive association with movement. Yes. So much of exercise for all of us, we've been conditioned and trained and we're stubborn about this, is we exercise to fight our bodies. Mm-hmm. We fight our bodies. Yes. And we, we exercise to get to the end zone, to get to the after picture, to get to the ideal. And there's so much shame in that. We are changing that story. Yes. Instead, it's highly possible to exercise to become alive and happy in our bodies, or maybe not even happy, alive and honest in our bodies. Yeah. Just as they are. Yeah. Just as they are. Um, that is truly the empowered from within part. 100%. And probably the hardest part. It is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the most important. Because, again, you have to be vulnerable. Yeah. But yeah. once you are, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Yeah. One of the beautiful things, for those of you who have studios, that I always like to talk about, um, I'll talk about studios and then let's discuss online as well, that the success of exercise is not just physical. There's a physical success, physical mm-hmm. connectivity of body wisdom, all this stuff we've been talking about, really learning the imbalances in our body, working towards a more balanced state. That's super imba- empowering. That's the physical side. Then there's a mental connectedness, feeling good, being grounded, mm-hmm. connecting our awareness to our bodies, being present. That's the idea of presence. But the third piece is the piece that's always missing for so many of us when we think of exercise and success. It's social connectedness. Yes. Relationship, community. And what brings me the greatest joy is when I look around the room and we're literally in a circle around that ballet bar. Everybody's facing the bar completely in solitude and honoring what's right for them. And I'll often look around and people will have their eyes closed Mm -hmm. and they'll be going slower than everybody else or taking a different posture, honoring their bodies, shoulder to shoulder with everybody else in that room, supporting them in that journey. We need that. We need to know that people are witnessing us Mm -hmm. in our own power, 
taking a choice that's different than everybody else. It's so true. So true. And at home, what do you think, Lisa, is the like superhero power of working out at home when it comes to being empowered from within? Why work out at home alone, online with us versus being in a group? I think it's because you have full permission to truly honor what you need. Yeah. I mean, there are times where I work out at home, not my workout, so that'd be weird. Um, <laughs> Your own workouts. <laughs> okay, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> but when I do work out sometimes and like either I'm like really energetic and I'm, I, I can really push myself, my body's like ready for it, I can just... I can try something maybe that I'm going to fail at. Mm -hmm. Like for, I always think of like a warrior three. It's when you're on one leg and your body's kind of tilted like a T and your balance is being thrown. And I will, you know, in class, they might say, try closing your eyes. Well, I don't want to in class me because I'm afraid I'm going to fall. But at home, let's try it. Mm -hmm. Who's going to see me but myself? And I, I might fall over and have a little giggle, but then I got to try it. Or I have full permission to do the opposite. You know, maybe they're doing a posture that's really challenging physically and I need to just stand and breathe. Mm -hmm. And I literally will stand up, close my eyes, and just take some inhales and exhales. And what I love about being home is that you have that full permission to just truly, truly give yourself what you need. Yeah. Um, And I think that is just as magical as being in a group and having the energy of the people around you supporting you. In that moment, too. The combination. Yeah. I think the combination is really powerful. It is. Solitude, honoring your truth, being alone, and also, um, frankly, busy. (laughs) For me, traveling, hotel rooms. Yes. I know when I had little kids, I always felt like I was in nap jail, where they were always napping. (laughs) Always napping. Like, up, nap number three. Here we go. (laughs) So true. Yes. When I work at home, it's generally when my kids have their, like, 30 minutes of TV time, and I'm like run upstairs, do a quick 30-minute workout, and run back down so I can be present with them. It's, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's definitely convenience, too. It's so, so important. So important. So another thing I want to ask you about, I, I think this is a common misconception with Bar 3 in general because we do talk about this idea of honoring your truth and being your own best teacher and this kind of warm, loving approach that we have. Yeah. People get that confused with being easy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because this is not easy. <laughs> it's not easy not mentally. E- yeah, not easy, but it's, yeah. What about physical challenge? Why is mm-hmm. it important to challenge ourselves and, and yeah. be humbled and go to that point where you're burning and struggling in the body? How do you differentiate negative pain? Yes. The, the pain go. that we mm-hmm. fight through thinking that that's good because pain is good, no pain, no gain. and But it's unproductive because that leads to injury. And the good pain, like yeah. that good burn that's a struggle. How mm-hmm. do you differentiate from those two? And my second part of that question is how do you not shy away from the good pain? How can we lean into that a little more and fail in a good way a little more? Got it. Um, so let's start with good pain. Uh, the best way I like to describe it as is that – it's those in-between places between your joints. So, for example, like, you know, my elbow to my shoulder. So if I am trying to target my arms, like, and I'm doing exercise and I'm feeling the muscles between those two points start to heat up. So it might be described as heat. 
um, uh, a sensation of burning in those areas. You might even get what we call like a muscular shake mm-hmm. where the muscles are starting to actually quiver a little bit. Those are those are all a sign of starting to work your muscles and pushing them towards called muscle fatigue. And that's actually a great thing. That's how because muscles... Because then we build again. Yes. That's how you grow stronger muscles is, is they have to literally be kind of rubbed and put to the test and then they rebuild the muscular fibers and they strengthen. So a little bit of uh, wear and tear rebuild is a really healthy thing. And go all the way in until you're almost failing. Exactly. In that, in that moment. Mm-hmm. And you How do you know when it's negative pain? When it's like the, the pain that's like something we should really pay attention to and not ever tolerate? Yep. So negative pain gen- generally, I'm going to say generally, lives in the joints. Right. So, so sh- shoulder, shoulder like, elbow, wrist. And it's usually deep. It's the only mm-hmm. way to describe it. It's not close to the surface. It's usually something that feels like you can't you can't scratch it. You can't get to it. It's inside the joint because mm-hmm. um, that's where the nerves are going to be sending the signals to the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, ways to describe negative pain is it's almost like a dull ache. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not like a sore ache, but like a I have a cold or mm-hmm. I'm sick ache. Or it can be a sharp shooting pain where it's like quick and fast and it like, I mean, again, trust your gut. You're going to know the difference between my muscles are being pushed and this is just really challenging versus, oh my gosh, all I can think about is how much my shoulder hurts. It's going to overload your your thoughts, the negative pain, because it's, well, it's trying if to tell you to stop. If, if you're, you're listening, listening. If you're yeah. listening, Paying it's going to try to stop. With compassion. Mm-hmm. And then there's tension, like gritting your teeth or, or the neck mm-hmm. tension that's not sort of. Not breathing. Right, not, not breathing. breathing. I always say when you stop breathing mm-hmm. in exercise, you've cut, your, you've cut off your foundation. You've mm-hmm. literally have, like, you have no foundation of your house anymore because right. breath sends food to your muscles to keep going you have to breathe and it's core too um so those are some like more body signals awareness okay and then lastly one of the things that you and i talk about we were talking about that we work with all kinds of experts yes and we really do recommend for everybody listening that you think of bar three as part of your program yeah we're not the be all you know, we're not everything. Mm-hmm. And that a, a journey and a practice of body wisdom incorporates so many different things. Journaling, um, you know, spending time with yourself, listening listening within, maybe doing meditation on your own, and then seeking out experts in your life who can help you understand your body. Mm-hmm. Good physical therapists. Yes. Um, your doctors, chiropractors, acupuncture, um, People who study the body and can help you learn more about it, the more tools you get that you can bring into bar three, the more rich and rewarding your practice can be. It definitely so can. Really, really recommend that everybody um, makes it a priority. You deserve it. Your body deserves that kind of wisdom. You learn so much about your body working with these experts. And then you honestly do see how much a bar three is tied to that area because we Mm -hmm. I I hear over and over again, oh, I do this exercise in my my PT for glutes. Physical therapy. I I do this for my physical therapy um, session for my core. Um, You know, we really do work. We watch them very closely and see what they're doing to heal bodies and we equally match it into our classes with just some rad, great music and yeah. energetic people around you. <laughs> we and, do therapeutic yeah. exercise 
to a beat. To a beat. <laughs> it's <laughs> a lot more, of fun. It's more than that, of course. Yes. But, um, yes. And yeah, I think that's, that is a very important part of um, your self-care. Right. Self-care. We're, um, one of my favorite mantras is, what is my present truth? Mm. And we've talked a lot about how we can't really recognize imbalances in our bodies and work towards a more balanced state without presence, mm-hmm. without looking inside, without being empowered from within. What is your Lisa Sheldrake present truth right now in this moment? My present truth is embracing a little more ease. Um, I... I need to do more research on this, but I'm a big believer when the seasons change that uh, sometimes we need to react to our body's needs. Mm-hmm. And with, you know, right now it's getting colder here in Portland. Um, and I'm just noticing right now I just need more ease in my life. So mm-hmm. more quiet, more mm-hmm. sitting down with my kids, um, maybe not grabbing as many props when I take class, slowing down. Um, and and just, yeah, a little bit more of in- coming in. And incubating a little bit is my present truth right now. Coming in, incubating. I love that. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much, Lisa. Yes, thank you. Such a good combo. Every day. Every day. day, All the time. (laughs) Everybody's in on it. (laughs) All right, thanks. Bye.